I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series, Bojack Horseman. I'm a socially distanced Michael Hamflit. And I am a socially distanced Adam Nicholas. And oh, Michael, how I've missed hearing you yeah. say that, my friend. Good Lord, we are back. And as always, you can call us in front of the plane because we are all business, back to business, in yes. business, show business. Give me the business. <laughs> Oh, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. ready. And we are all business to begin with. You can follow this podcast on Twitter or Instagram at Podcast Horseman. You can also follow either of your, what do you call us now, estranged hosts, I guess, at this point. Estranged hosts, indeed. No longer estranged, although I guess it's always lovely for the people who are just coming back to this brand new and just get listening to this episode straight after the last one oh, yeah. no time has passed at all but if you have been waiting well we are back and you can follow me at it's adam nicholas you can also follow michael hamflet at michael hamflet you can get this podcast on apple Podcasts, where we'd love you to follow or subscribe depending on which version you've got never update it you can get us on spotify where you can follow on overcast which just happens to be my new favorite podcast platform so i like to advertise it pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts you can get podcast horsemen you can also find us on amazon music and if you are one of those listeners nicholas was just describing where you're catching us maybe months weeks years after the fact and haven't spotted this gap we're nothing like amazon sometimes amazon will take weeks to deliver a parcel not us we're there every single week we've never gone away don't go back and check our twitter timeline from around this time don't double check don't look at the dates on your podcast provider just think that this time last week we're reviewing episode 11 and now here we are with episode 12 we've never gone away and we're right here and because of that i urge and implore all our listeners especially our loyalist ones that know we've never gone away to leave us a five star review you can say something nasty you can say something nice but for the short but beautiful remainder of this podcast lifespan we'd love to keep gaming those charts we'd love to keep smashing the system them rigging the algorithms all that sort of stuff and five star reviews do that for us but nobody leaves this podcast empty-handed if you leave us a five-star review you'll get your name and your comments read out on the show yes even if they're abusive it's all about the stars nobody wants one you'll get them read out on this show you'll get yourself a star on the hollywood talk of fame and there'll be another one of those coming at the end of this episode yes indeed there will five stars will get you a star and michael there are only five episodes of bojack horseman left to go for us to review and we're gonna do one of them tonight uh yes obviously just real quick before we do get into everything 
we are back. It's mm. nice to be back. It is good to be back. Thankfully, we're back. Everyone's happy. Everyone's healthy. Yes. Everyone's doing good. And we are. We didn't want to rush back, as we kind of touched on uh, last week, I think it was, on socials. Because we wanted to make sure when we came back, we were back for good. Now, yes. I've realised we're tempting all the fate, so I'm knocking on every bit <laughs> yeah. of wood. I can possibly knock on right about now. Not like that, you dirty buggers. Um, but we are back. And fingers crossed, this is us now. Until the mm. end of the journey, we've got five episodes left. And then, of course, you know, there's always going to be the roundups. And who knows what else, Michael, we might do after all of that. But right now, let's get into this week's episode. We go across to Netflix for the synopsis for season six, episode 12. And my God, did it take me a little while to remember where the hell oh, yeah. we were up to? God, it felt like we'd been away. But the episode is called Xerox of a Xerox. After the Sarah Lynn story breaks, Bojack gives a live interview on TV. Diane meets Guy's teenage son, Michael. So we're back. And just to quickly remind you, but secretly I'm reminding myself, we <laughs> are obviously coming after the big bombshell dropped. Bojack got the phone call. Everyone is starting to learn all the information. They've just gone through all of Bojack's worst things ever on the whiteboard with the whole gang. And here we are. He's ready to go and sort of talk up a storm. Yeah, and we start kind of right on that. Um, it's with a Tom Grumbo Jumbo breaking news report that always like adds a bit of urgency to what we already know. For those that have had to wait, obviously, the seven days between this and our last podcast, as you sort of helpfully recap there, it was then that we found out that everything was all going to go to sh- for Bojack. Um, there was the, obviously the news that broke that he was involved uh, in the death of Sarah Lynn specifically. I guess that's the one of the most news value, certainly of all of his, the crimes that we've seen him commit at least. Uh, and he does confirm that he'll sit down with Biscuits Braxby. Biscuits, of course, you may remember being the one to sort of, I guess, paper over the cracks of what happened with Gina at the end mm. of season five. She was very much like a softball interview. They both just wanted to get through it. And he's going to go through those rounds again. Um, it cuts to Biscuits doing from uh, Tom Grumbo Jumbo's story. She's doing a trailer for the episode about the last days of Sarah Lynn and then this itself is revealed to be actually playing it on a television in Paige Sinclair's room she's still got her wedding dress on but this time it's actually to get married she's with her bridesmaids um, as usual um, there are people in the room as there always is with Paige dealing with her crazy whims there's so much stuff going on in the background because she's just this ball of chaos but somebody who isn't is her sister who we meet for the first time it's a sister ironically called Patience who is just sat there on her phone letting the world pass by she tells uh page just to chill just forget about it page is obviously quite cross seeing the story because she knows the media machinations she knows that all this dirt she's got on bojack will be for naught because after this he'll own the narrative she says of course in her own inimitable way which i'm not going to attempt to ape go back and watch the episode and enjoy that yourself but she does close the cold open with quote uh, excuse me sorry her sister closes the cold open with quote why do you talk like that <laughs> Fresno? So there's this great reveal that all of Paige's stuff is extremely performative. She's seemingly locked in this world, this strange 1920s New York beat journalist world that she's got herself locked in. It's not who she is for real. So a nice little moment there where we, I guess, seeing for the first time that part of her is performative, not unlike Bojack too, although, of course, Bojack's performative side is far crueler and nastier and more dangerous to other people. That takes us into the credits. What did you make of a cute reveal and a nice cold open to, I think what was quite helpful for us, to set us back up, to let us know exactly where we are after this seven-day break we took? Yeah, I will say, for the 
seven day in inverted commas break yeah. that we took, which was more like felt like seven months, let's be <laughs> honest. People who have just listened to this thinking, what are these two yammering on about? It's been how long? It must be nearly a month, month and a half. Something maybe. like a month and a half, yeah. Something like a month and a half we've had. Genuinely, it was good to have a bit of a catch up <laughs> just from the episode itself. But I like the patience. Sinclair, I assume Patience yeah. Sinclair would be her full name, uh, asking the question that we've wanted to know the answer to for all this time. Why do you talk like this? Because it <laughs> makes our lives so difficult. And yet, it's a, it's a whirlwind of chaos that we thoroughly enjoy each and every time. Indeed. Um, we don't go to uh, Hollywood for the big interview next. We first go to Chicago. Um, Guy and Diane are talking about the uh, the impending interview. Um, Guy's quite hyped for it. It just feels like a big television event that a lot of people are going to be talking about the next day. But Diane simply doesn't really want or need any more BoJack-related drama in her life. She runs through the routine of stock answers and excuses and kind of cynically pre-planned and produced responses that BoJack will give on the night. Um, predicting every beat so specifically that it's used as a way to cut to Bojack and Princess Carolyn doing just that. Word for word, Diane has already nailed how this is going to play out because she's obviously been a part of that world more than once before. Um, they're sitting together, obviously going doing their pre-Biscuits Backstreet prep, basically. Jude is there to help. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter pops in the office to ask rather thoughtlessly, but in a typically charming Mr. Peanut Butter way, if, if the interview is going well, could he promote this <laughs> going uh todd, arri todd arrives seemingly only um as a plot device to remind bojack that the general public despises him as a way to ruffle his hair and get him ready for the interview for the night um judah eventually herds them out and um, there's a, a a bit of sweet moment here where todd uh brings up obviously mr peanut butter's uh relationship and oh things are a bit dodgy at the moment and then he gets a text in that moment confirming that he has been dumped, even though we saw that in the last episode. He just, I guess, had pretended all this time that it wasn't happening to him. And unfortunately... Let, let me just let me just jump in here because I feel it's like a perfect time just to, just to do this because, God damn it, this was so funny. <laughs> peanut butter, peanut butter, um and over our potential double date as he explains to Todd, he's kind of in the middle of things, wasn't he? He's like, we're kind of, you know, taking a bit of a break, but he speaks very much... <laughs> Like Joey Pogo doing, like does a bunch of these little abbreviation on words yeah. that should not be abbreviated before you don't even see him. This is again the beauty of having closed captions on. As he's just creeping out that door, it just says, uh, "Excuse me, I'm receiving a text message, and it appears we have broken up forever." <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. So good. It's nice because it's not a um, it's not a payoff. We we had that yeah. somehow. Yeah. He didn't, even though he was living his life at the time. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much that for them for now, at least. And um, Princess Carolyn notes that it's going to be uh, Bojack saying, "Quote: This is me. No more lies." Uh, and then notes that it's going to be pre-taped in the afternoon on the cell on the set of Filbert, uh, and then made to look like it's nighttime. So already we're aware, and we knew anyway, but already we're aware that maybe the fix is in a little bit. But we go to the interview itself. Um, Bojack does indeed confirm the allegations in Paige's uh, breaking story are true, but tries to clarify that he had the heroin, but wasn't taking or supplying it, of course, relating to the pack of Bojack that was in the glove box that Sarah Lynn eventually took. Um, he admits he lied about finding her dead, but rebuffs the idea that this was his rock bottom. He says he's had too many rock bottoms. Um, he's gone to rehab. He's going to be one year sober next week. Um, all that sort of stuff, and says that he's made other mistakes. He doesn't want to name those mistakes or indeed who they affected because he doesn't want to further uh, impact the lives of those people. He wants to protect their privacy. 
Um, but he does believe in his heart with this sobriety that he can't stop making the mistakes. He starts ramping up the story of his life, which is very much what Diana predicted. Um, talks about obviously the abuse he suffered as a child, his route into acting and into Hollywood and things of that nature. And he calls himself, quote, a Xerox of a Xerox of a person, which gives our episode title. But it's again, some really nice writing to kind of, mm. it's like, it's, they, again, they find the broadest terms to explain quite a complex message and it immediately paints a little picture for you. Um, he says he's not that anymore. He said Sarah Lynn at her worst reminded him of himself, which he could no longer face up to. Biscuits moves um, to chat to about, moves the chat on to Sarah Lynn's mother monetizing Sarah Lynn after her death. And Bojack says, quotely, honestly, it feels like that's what killed her. Uh, Biscuits makes him clarify that it was that <laughs> and the heroine. So yeah. she's not quite letting him off the hook, but there's quite a few things that he's able to kind of talk himself through. Over, over to be honest, what is virtually a monologue just broke up with a very occasional sort of interjections from Biscuits. Uh, he, you know, agrees to that, but he does publicly apologize to Sarah Lynn's mother, says, quote, I wish you could know how sorry I am. And Biscuits is so struck by that she gasps almost lovingly in adoration at Bojack being able to take such a bold, brave step on television. And that's a wrap. The interview is over. And we cut next to Bojack and Princess Carolyn leaving. And Bojack is buzzing. He is so thrilled with how it's gone. Too buzzing, to be honest. And we can see this, if not through our own eyes, but through the eyes of Princess Carolyn. She is cautiously optimistic, though, in truth, she's looking a bit dejected about the whole experience. She seems to now be experiencing what Diane was beforehand, but it took her maybe to live through it to realise the consequences of their action. She notes that it's going to air in three hours and obviously everything could be different after the fact. So it's like a nice stopping point there. Um, Bojack's interview, we knew it was going to be softballs. We knew that this was designed for him, not to particularly get to him. So Biscuits wasn't going to win as some sort of like crime investigator, no matter how she titled or thumbnailed up her show for the night. But particularly at the point at which uh, he attempted to shift some blame onto a mother, Sarah Lynn's mother that was one of the only times she picked him up and even then he darted round it and he got himself out of trouble yet again you can see why he's buzzing but you can already see why perhaps he shouldn't be yeah this yeah. is almost the best worst thing that could have happened for him isn't it because you know he goes onto a show like this and he was never going to be getting intently intensely questioned rather but mm. he managed to come out of it looking like it reminded me very much of uh, the Bojack the Feminist episode where he's on TV and people are saying that he's saying the right things and he comes out of this this really serious you know conversation he's been having to have this interview about you know something terrible that he was involved in and as you pointed out as soon as he gets out of there he's like did I just nail that about like am I amazing how good am I at interviews like and it was only then that it dawned on me that this is the first like moment he's really had under the spotlights of Hollywood in quite some time, isn't it? Since mm. since rehab, even like while we've been away, it's his first taste back in the limelight, and seemingly it's gone really well. Uh, despite the subject matter, he's managed to navigate it, and it was a success. Well, and it's it's really awkward to talk about it in those yeah, terms because they... that's what I mean achieved what they set out to do but what they set out mm -hmm. to do was pretty grim like yeah let's not let's not get it twisted of course he's done terrible things and him and princess carolyn have tried their best to use pr skills to put out <laughs> an absolute nightmare here and get the best 
possible outcome from the worst possible situation, which is, surprise, surprise, the way of the Hollywood machine. Mm. Um, so by those measurements, a success. By human measurements, Michael, a disaster for everyone involved. Yeah, and we kind of, we get that a little bit through, because obviously this is going to air in three hours time, so across any time zone, this hasn't yet hit the world, we're getting this exclusive, I guess. Diane and Guy are eating dinner and see the trailer for an interview on the telly. Um, but again, Diane just dodges the subject entirely. It's not something she wants to be a part of. However, that leads her down to something else. By deflecting talking about her past, she instead puts it on Guy to talk about his. And then he notes that she's not even met his son yet, which kind of puts Diane on the spot a little bit. Um, but says, oh, yeah, I'd love to meet him. He says, fine, how about tomorrow? She says, quote, tomorrow, tomorrow? But nonetheless, it is on. So again, that need to avoid the Bojack situation that is obviously still very raw to her has brought something else into her lap that she's now got to confront. But back to Hollywood we go. Um, Bojack is waking up. So, of course, we are led to believe that it is the morning after the night before the interview is now aired. And he wakes up to a message from Princess Carolyn saying he nailed it. We get a montage after this um, of the press all being kind to him, of Bojack getting his teaching job back, of Bojack getting a free coffee because the shop manager was inspired to go to rehab, and both him and Princess Carolyn getting praise from Pinky Penguin at the network for drawing enormous ratings. Um, the network won a part two to double down on the numbers and strike while the iron's hot <laughs> and promote birthday dad by design this time because they've seen the opportunity that Peanut Butter did yesterday. Um and Bojack is so full of beans that he is confident he can nail it again. Um, <laughs> he says, quote, move over, birthday dad. It's remorse, horse. <laughs> so already he's seeing this as more of a meme opportunity than an opportunity to actually try and wash away his sins or help appease the people that he's hurt. Um, Princess Carolyn does not want him to do it. She could not be clear about that. There's no sort of... Um, ambiguity or an approach to this this time uh, but Bojack thinks he's become such an important figure of truth addiction and various other challenges that it'd be a dick if he didn't do it he believes suddenly that this is an obligation to the people that he has helped of course because he's had all of six hours of pleasing total strangers that's all it's taken from Princess Carolyn sighs but it's a uh, tough titty to the kitty because it's back to biscuits <laughs> and back to Bojack all over again very good um, we go to the interview again. It's on the exact same set. Everything is framed exactly as it was before. Just before we do dive into that, can I just say that they did a fantastic job here of um, of really showing you, once again, the external good that comes from this. Because while we know it's a Hollywood PR stunt, mm. effectively, uh, in this many terms, there's a lot of people who get some positive outcomes from this outside of like Bojack, obviously, and Princess Carolyn in this, like yeah. the net good that comes from uh, for Pinky Penguin, the little anecdote about the coffee shop owner who decided to go and get help as a result. Like, it's this horrible blurred line situation again where this is a real Hollywood, you know, sort this problem out in the best possible way we can for the for the person who's done done wrong, but also, like, as a result, that has helped a lot of other people They've yeah. taken something really positive from it. So while it's really shitty, let's be honest, like there is this weird net good that comes from it. And suddenly you're like, ah, oh, God, this is how it happens. It's it, you. What I think what you, the uh, sort of the, the power that this sort of statement can have over other people. And as you say, in a positive way is if nothing else, probably going to discourage other people who maybe want to uh, out somebody that has abused them. Um, 
you know, like, and this is a reach of Bojack Horseman, the, what, the B-level at best Hollywood actor. Yes, he ascended, but he didn't reach the highest of the heights. Think about those actors, those ultimate A-listers, and the impact that their positive words can have on people. And, you know, the the power that they hold, thus other people that accuse them of things, knowing full well that if you break away at that facade, you're also potentially damaging that coffee shop's owner's chance of a successful recovery, for example. Yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate to see, but as you're right, it's, it's definitely worth, I think, them pointing out in the show because it's not just there to fluff Bojack. It's there for something far more real than his vanity and his ego. Um, but he'll deal with that himself because yeah. we are back. Not, not that it all won't play into that anyway because it is <laughs> Bojack after all. He will ruin it for us himself because we are back with Biscuits and already he's gone in way too cocky. Especially when uh, Biscuits starts bringing up uh, Bojack's call to the police again, uh, which is, of course, the call he made when Sarah Lynn died. Um, the infamous task, 17 minutes he'd waited to make the call. She wants to drill a little bit deeper into that. Um, he then admits that um, because he's just trying to, like, pie these questions off because he assumes it's going to be about just things that, like, you know, build him up and big him up. He does admit that he uh, he took her phone and called himself to make it appear as though she was still alive. Um, Biscuits drills down even further. Um, noticing out the phone after the phone call was made, he went outside and waited for those 17 minutes before calling the police. Gets flustered. He goes, "Quote: Why are you asking this?" And on that, we get the title card come up that says six hours earlier, and it's Paige Sinclair visiting Biscuits. She bollocks her for lobbing all these softballs at Bojack Horseman. Um, she convinces Biscuits Braxby to go for him one more time and says she has, quote, a few ideas of what to ask. So this is Paige using all that knowledge that she built up for what was set to be the full takedown of Bojack. Finally, she's found the avenue with which to do that, and it is through Biscuits Braxby. So all of a sudden, the narrative of this entire interview has changed from something that is going to suit the network, something that's going to satiate Bojack's ego, into something of a takedown piece from Biscuit. She herself has spotted a bit of an opportunity here. Um, and we go back to the interview where she continues to grill Bojack on, uh, this time on his relationship with Princess Carolyn, which completely wrong foots Bojack. And you can see off to the side where Bojack has been kind of shooting eyes at PC for things not going as he would have liked. The Biscuits has drawn that relationship herself. Of course, we know now she's armed with knowledge as well. Um, she notes, obviously, that they've had this past relationship, which Bojack struggles to talk around. She mentions Marcy, the president of his fan club, who he also slept with. Um, then, uh, not by name, she mentions the Penny situation because she's been advised of this prom that he attended all these years ago. Um, there's the time he snuck out of rehab with a, quote, teen mom. We, of course, know the context of that, but we also know how that would come across to people that don't. Um, then there's the relationship with Wanda, which is spun as him being attracted to her because she'd just come out of a coma and didn't know the type of dangerous man he was. Again, we know that that existed as a very significant relationship in Bojack's life, but it's quickly like you can see the snowball traveling down the hill and it's just gathering 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 snow and pace as it goes um ultimately biscuits braxby forms this case of sex and power and abuse of power and the power differentials and bojack snaps at this yarn being spun he says he's not a bad guy he's not the bad guy that she says he is so it's back to Sarah Lynn and it's back to Biscuits revealing that she knows that Bojack gave Sarah Lynn the first drink when she was actually clean and sober. This is yet more information. She mentions that she gave uh, Bojack was the one that gave alcohol on the set of Horse and Round when she was 11 years old. And then on the reveal of that, we get a four hours earlier title card. And it's uh, 
page with an absolutely faced Dr. Champs and Dr. Champ and Biscuits in Bellican's bar. Um, all those times that Dr. Champ told Bojack he wasn't a therapist come back to haunt him here because he's just a therapy horse, meaning what? That he can tell them everything, which of course is just filling in those last few gaps for Biscuits, which takes us back to the interview, and at which point we now know that Biscuits is armed belt and braces with everything she needs to finish Bojack off. Bojack is still on the back foot. He says he loved Sarah Lynn. He says that that was different, and he inadvertently reveals that he slept with Sarah Lynn. He gives this one away before it's even teased out of him. Biscuit circles back to the 17 minutes that Bojack waited. It turns out these 17 minutes could have saved her life. So Biscuits recaps. Bojack gave her booze as a kid. Then she became an addict. Then they had sex. Then he gave her the heroin that killed her. Then he covered his own ass rather than calling the paramedics that might have saved her life. Pause. Quote, and you don't think that you have power over women? End quote. <laughs> Outside, Bojack is in total denial at what a career-killing disaster that was. Contradict himself, getting stressed about the narrative that he, quote, hurt women. Princess Carolyn says, quote, I think you have three hours before this airs and your world changes completely. You should think about that or how you want to spend your time. I'm going to go home with my child. Adam Nicholas, thoughts, feelings, views. <laughs> I've, in, in a situation I've watched in both real life and on television, I'm not sure there's ever a time where I've wanted to be the person more who's getting in the car to go back to their child than be the other, per <laughs> than, than be the other person in this scenario. <laughs> because, man, oh, man, that is... I mean, this is great. This, mm -hmm. is, this is really great because of the... Because they do it so quickly and show you how quickly Bojack has... Now, he hasn't relapsed on drugs or drink or anything, but he's relapsed on the ego tripping and the Hollywood getting its tar into his bones and making him feel those things again that are essentially going to be, well, undoubtedly would end up leading him down the path he doesn't want to go down. Um, but first things first, I'll say this now while it's still fresh on my head. I've written it down here in bold and italics so I wouldn't forget it. As a little sidebar, just what a clever clever detail it was for the whole first half of season six where they gave us the Dr. Champ was a therapy horse mm -hmm. and not a horse therapist and at no point did either of us or anyone maybe watching this show maybe you did, maybe you're smarter uh, really twig on to the fact that that means that obviously Dr. Patient Confidentiality does not exist No, and yet Bojack has undoubtedly told this man Every single thing he's ever done, the worst things he's ever done, more so than almost anybody in the show, maybe. And that horse is now an alcoholic who is desperate for revenge on Bojack. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I think until we did this breakdown of it, it's the first time I've really, really twigged on just how big and important Dr. Champ is in all of this. Um, I don't know why it's never twigged that way, but the way they've set him up to be obviously now a vindictive horse waiting for his chance to sort of avenge what Bojack has done to him. And here he is given to us four hours earlier before the Biscuits Braxby interview number two, but this is great. And again, Bojack breaking stuff down himself. There's some stuff I want to get into later on, which I'll bring up when I go through the horse and around bit, but um, just excellent. And to see how quickly and how correctly this is how it should have gone down. Really. Let's be honest, this interview yeah making them face the actual facts, making them face difficult questions. And um, 
you know, I guess the other thing they do kind of do here, which shows you the two sides of the coin, because obviously it puts Boja in a spot that we should have he should have been put in a long time ago and had to answer for. But it also goes to show you that these like the very nature of these Hollywood shows, these ones where someone wants to do a takedown or they want to do a thing. Yes, when you get to the bottom of it, it's the you know, we are getting to the truth of the matter. Hmm. But it's still serving another person's ego. Like yes. this is for this is for Biscuit Braxby to become a bigger star than she already is. Hmm. And she's ta- she's taken Bojack down and it's it's hard to do this because it's not it's at the expense of Bojack Horseman. Like yeah. another human being is going to become the thing that gets trodden on for biscuits to get up to where she wants to go next. And I'm not saying that it's a bad thing that's, that Bojack is having to face up of these things, but it's this society that is, or the way that it has been created and that someone must fall for another to rise. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, there's a real toxic thing to both things here. And I'm not letting Bojack off the hook at all, but Biscuit's motivations aren't to get the truth for the better of society. Biscuit's motivations are to get the truth so big, Biscuit, Biscuit's practically becomes the biggest talk show host in the world, do you know what I mean? It's a very specific thing, this. So there's two forces of, of evil going on yeah. in my personal opinion. No, I think that's a, a fair point because what that does ultimately is it kind of casts a bit of fog over the good work being done, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Like uh, You could look at, so Biscuits is targeting power and it's really good that she goes for power, but at this point we're kind of aware that she's uh, like a sock puppet really for Paige and yeah. great because Paige has done the work absolutely a, 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 like it's a story for women being able to stick together and try and reclaim some of that power and that's all really great and I loved like this like Bojack when it it doesn't always have to but it tends to always want to and I love that it tries to start conversations or it tries to start thought processes mm. it's a really great bit and it's through the, the Bojack character that he says this after the fact he kind of stubbornly he gets really hung up on the idea that biscuits was putting across a narrative that he heard yeah. women yeah. and he makes he states the case and makes the argument that the only reason she's doing that is because that's a popular topic of conversation right now it's a mm. it's a hot topic in public discourse about men that hurt women with especially like you know men in his position positions of power and all those words that she was using that he didn't want to really own up for and i love that because he genuinely believes what he's saying he's not lying to princess carolyn there's no cameras there in the moment he knows that he's done wrong but he believes he's done wrong by a set of rules that he's worked out in his head he hasn't considered that there's other rules now and there's other mistakes that he's made that do have like that have hurt women that have abused power with women and he really doesn't he'll accept the literal descriptions of the things he's done but he still doesn't want to really take on the emotional aftermath and that's why somebody like Dr. Champ can stick a knife in because he's never considered. Yeah. He knows that there's an awful thing that's happened with Dr. Champ, but he all he, what he's done his entire life is sort of gone end. And he just builds a wall up against it and then thinks, yeah. I wish I'd not done that thing, but I've done it now. And that's the end of it. Yeah. Still, still well, it's he's the, it's... able to consider like ramifications and long standing issues that fall and what it represents and things like that. And it's it's got him like it's been a pincer movement on him here, more so than his own kind of reckoning on that whiteboard with Diane, PC and Todd. It's because it ends up being the end for him, doesn't it? It's the end mm-hmm. of it for him. He can stop talking about it, he can stop thinking about it, he can stop whatever, and or maybe not stop thinking about it, because as he says to Dr. Champ, he remembers now, he remembers everything. Mm-hmm. But 
they did a great job of it in the episode before the season, the mid-season break, didn't they? Have shown you this is what happens after he switches whatever narrative it is off in his head. The end for him is only the beginning for some people sometimes yes. who are then carrying yeah. all the baggage and stuff. And I, I've just this is something that obviously needed to happen to Bojack, but you've got that, you've hit that spot on there because this is something I think uh, you'll notice quite a lot is people are all good and well to admit to something until, as you said, it. someone is trying to force them into admitting the truth, let's have it right, mm. but through a looking glass that they have, or through a, a, a narrative that they aren't comfortable with. Yeah. Like, very specifically, the narrative where it's uh, him and Jameson, you know, that go and they leave rehab and go to the party. Now, the way she frames it, obviously, is like he takes a... a a mother, a single mother out of rehab or whatever it is, she says. And it sounds terrible, like, but you, when you were there, we were going with him on that journey, he was trying to do the right thing by, like, he, yes, helping her get out, whatever that might not be, but he was essentially working as her sponsor to make sure she didn't do anything stupid while she was out there. Do you know what I mean? That, that kind of, yeah, I can see what he means by those regards, but in terms of just not being happy with a terminology, I think sometimes is something that can really get people's backs up about certain things. Mm-hmm where you could call someone, you could say someone has done something that is not politically correct. You could say someone has done something that is racially insensitive. You can say that someone has done all these, whatever it may be. But if it's not to their terminology or their understanding of the terminology, you can really set somebody off with their stuff like that. And that you kind of see this in the interview with Bojack, don't you? you there is a, um, there's almost a pattern to the, and I, I wish we weren't so familiar with it, but the, I guess it's known as the notes apology, mm, where yes. somebody that is trying to claim, claim back whatever has been said about them by somebody else online, um, there'll typically be a version of an apology, which may or may not really be an apology. We know that, but buried within there, or save for like a closing paragraph, will almost be a rejection of some of the terms mm. of what they've been accused of. And this didn't, he wasn't really allowed to reject those over the course of the interview. And again, his maybe his misread of what he thought this would be is that's almost quite pleasing. Yeah. Because you needed that satisfaction to be taken away. You need, like, he thought that his his notes apology wasn't even going to be necessary because the first version had been so successful. But when when things were put in terms that, and, you know, and uh, I keep going back to your point about biscuits and, the you know the situation with how she could spin certain things not some worse than they were but to just maybe contextualize them in a way that suited her argument more than his let's say mm. but she did describe all of the things literally you know we can't yeah. get that away from her but ultimately it took it took pages input to yeah. um to really help biscuits understand so she didn't really piece anything like everything really could have been could have been done on night one but it took the way that it was pieced together for on night two to completely reframe all of this. So that's that's the point I want to hammer home here, is that the this is the right thing that's happened in interview number two, definitely. Mm-hmm. But Biscuits wasn't going to get there by herself. No. She probably wasn't even interested in getting there by no, herself. That's, which it, is yeah. the, that's no, the thing. I'm, yeah. I, am not, I am not in any way saying that Biscuits is wrong to have gone for Bojack in this interview. And, you know, mm. I... Again, there's a nature of it. It's it is what it is. Like that's these are shows that happen, and these things tend to reveal the truth about someone when put under the pressure of the that sort of spontaneous interview. But it's just fascinating that she she got a chance and she didn't even want to do that. She she wanted to she wanted to help Bojack get to a better place. She wanted to help him get to being 
the Bojack he could be again by he does this interview and he gets to go back to a normal life like and everybody's happy we all got what we wanted and it takes Paige Sinclair to go in there and say this isn't what the world needs like you're helping him do more harm now and she she was just con- she was happy with the ratings and yeah. I mean that's the thing she was just happy with the ratings she wasn't even bothered about what the end product was as long as the ratings were there and there's definitely something in that that just even though this was a good thing that was happening there are two bad forces at work yeah for my money it, it, yeah that element of it did did and does feel off and again we're back to the mechanisms aren't we we're back to oh well it works now it didn't work yesterday but it works today yeah yeah absolutely um we go from there for a second a slight breather um, and a reprieve from the Bojack plot, at least, uh, back to Chicago, where uh, Diane is finally meeting Guy's son, Sonny, of course. Why would of I call Guy's son? Of course. Um, he's pretty coy about the whole thing until Guy leaves to go get cheese fries, at which point he grills Diane about being just another, quote, broken woman that will eventually leave his father. Um, he says his, it's okay because his mom and dad still love each other anyway. But Diane completely misreads the room and laughs that notion off without really thinking, resulting in Sonny bursting into tears. He is <laughs> falling face down on the table as Guy returns after just two minutes. Back to uh, that later. Well, back to a little bit of that later on because we're with Bojack and he's obviously having, as Princess Carolyn has suggested, his three hours before this airs. Um, and he pulls over at the Laugh Shack. It's, uh, of course, one of the places where he started out at, trying to make it in Hollywood. Um, when he arrives there, there's um, an outline of his body on the wall, and um, which we learn through a really sweet flashback is uh, one that Herb drew around him in chalk when he was still in the process of getting horsing around made and making promises to him about, you know, he's still going to be the star and all this sort of thing. Um, it's, a, it's a nice moment of bonding between the two, but quickly we'll snap back to present day. Um and Bojack nursing a water at the bar. It's always in that way where he kind of shakes the bottle and the water goes from left to right in the bottle. Um, but he's suddenly struck at the sight of the hot to trot poster that he spots on the wall. It's one of them comedy club walls where you just see all the old acts that have played there before they became stars, of which, of course, in this world, Bojack is one. Um, years and years ago, he was there. And he's lost in thought thinking about that when uh, another horse comes over to explain that his brother loved horsing around. He didn't really care for it, but his brother absolutely loved it. And more importantly, it made his brother laugh, which was quite nice because he alludes to his brother having quite a significant problem with drugs and the horsing around when it aired was a nice little distraction from that. He continues this um, little missive about his brother by revealing that at some point his brother has passed away and were led to believe that this was due to the drugs. The details are intentionally left out, but the picture is sadly vivid enough. Uh, but when he um, sees Bojack or he hears about horsing around or anything, he ha- he remembers his brother's big laugh and it's ultimately a nice thing for him. Um, he tells Bojack to go and go on the stage for the open mic uh, comedy bit that they're doing. Bojack says he doesn't want to, um, but the response, correctly so as well, is, quote, you're famous, you'll get laughs even if you suck. So that obviously seems to appeal to Bojack's sensibilities. We are very briefly, for the only the second time this episode, to Todd. He's round at Maud's house. They've uh, sort of uh, decamped for the night in Maud's room in her mother's house. They're in the so you know, got on the sofa with a duvet, snacks ready to watch television for the night. Um, talk about watching the docu- about watching the interview. But Todd, much like Dan, in a way, notes that he's not sure necessarily what he would get from it. Um, 
He mentions about living on Bojack's couch and never really liking him. And conversation about living on a couch springs an idea into Maud's head about Todd's <laughs> living situation. There's a really sweet, typical Todd miscommunication of him not remotely picking up what she's putting down. Let's say our ideas at the same time. One, two, three. Neither of them say moving in together. They come up with very ridiculous Todd-esque ideas. But then after the little boom at the breathing space, Maud adds, I don't think we should move in together. And Todd reacts with surprise, but seemingly the nice kind of surprise. It's back to Bojack yet again. We've got all these scenes coming thick and fast at the end of the episode. He's doing a very lazy tight five in front of the traditional brick wall set about being an alcoholic. As predicted, it sucks. As predicted, it's getting big laughs. So he's kind of getting that last dopamine hit from his fame. Um, and finally to Princess Carolyn, um, well, not finally, sorry, but to Princess Carolyn, she's gone to tend to Ruthie. Judah was there, obviously, doing a bang-up job. And he carries on working on a laptop on a stack of books the second he hands her over because he's Judah, he's the best. And finally, finally, this time, we are back with Diane in Chicago. They've gone home after meeting Sonny. Um, she's tapping over an empty notepad, which is always the implication that maybe this writing thing just isn't coming as smoothly as she would like. Um, but she goes to put the interview on and Biscuits, it's a bit that we haven't actually seen as it was being recorded, talking about the person um, Bojack has presented, the outline of a person, which of course we now know can be taken from the drawing outside the comedy club, and asks if the outline is somebody different or if it is really him. He admits that, yes, it is him. Uh, that's, I guess, probably one of the only moments where Bojack could give his version of the truth that he was content with in the interview. Um, Diane seems to take both solace and dissatisfaction from that. Um, they really they, they animate so little, but it says such a lot. It's just their lips. They kind of purse at first and they arch up and then they go down a little bit. And that's where the episode ends. We hit the credits on Diane's reaction, which is in itself quite powerful because I, this was my personal read. You might have a completely different one. But I seem to take from this that because he told the truth, but the truth was pretty shameful and disappointing, that is no, that isn't very literally the opposite of a happy ending. It's a nothing ending because Bojack doesn't give you happy, not Bojack the show doesn't give you happy endings, but Bojack the person's life story told through any prison was never going to give you a happy ending. There was going to be a moment of, oh, he's actually done it. He's owned something. But oh yeah, what he's owned is that he's a pretty terrible guy and I gave a lot of years of my life to that guy. There's no, it's ludicrous to think that this is the fairy tale outcome for Diane or indeed anybody remotely associated with this goddamn stupid piece of shit horse. I mean, it was never going to be a fairy tale ending. Let's be honest. That's, I think we kind of accepted that. I'll, I will say my read of it was, I, I felt like she was surprised that he'd, like when he says he kind of tells the truth in that little clip that she sees at least. I feel like she's surprised that he's done it. Uh, because obviously she's been speaking to Guy, hasn't she, about like the read that she had on what's going to happen and how it's going to go. Yes. I can't, I can't decide if she's surprised that he actually ended up just, oh God, he's just going to tell the truth. That is him. Like he's, uh, or if it's kind of like, oh, a bit what you said there, like, I, I wish this wasn't who he is. Like it's, yeah, he's told the truth, but also the truth is he's a piece of shit like <laughs> it's it's a tough one but my read i felt like it was she was almost not pleasantly surprised but just a little bit taken aback that he'd actually decided to use it to tell the truth possibly mm. which maybe she wasn't fully anticipating in, and, and owning up to something which she kind of thinks he's not going to do 
in this. Yeah. She kind of thinks he's going to go around it. So that's certainly how I got it. But yeah, this whole thing, man, it's just, I mean, we've been away for a while, so someone's got to say it. It's a, it's a bloody powerhouse of an episode, Michael. Really good. What it is. Really good. Really bloody good. Like, terrible for all involved, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> really good for us, the viewers, who are finally getting some proper movement on this horse who just has not been playing ball, Michael, mm-hmm. for six seasons at this point. Uh, but it's nice to see. The system is not... Well, I mean, it's not exactly perfect, is it? But it's not failing, I guess. Not completely, like, no. no. The I universe think... is writing this wrong, slowly but surely, even at the expense of our favourite Torgan horse. <laughs> yeah, he was he was due this, and we did wonder like, how much of it could ever come. And not just in the... Um, the confines of the show, but in realistically how many episodes there was left yeah. to do something like this. This was, this had to come if it was going to come at all. So it was quite nice that it did. Quite, quite nice that it did and quite nice that we do still have time for more stuff because mm. we are slowly peeling back this really, really horrible onion. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and yes, unfortunately, it is bringing with it a bad order and probably more tears down the line. Who bloody knows? Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But shall we go and do some horsing around, perhaps? Yes, please. Yes, After please. all of that. The part of the show, if you're new with us or if you've been here for a while, where we go back throughout the episode and we uh, sort of find all the hidden meanings behind certain things, the small details that you might have missed, all the Easter eggs within the episode, or just something that made me laugh, to be honest. Mm. Something that popped me stupid. Um, so we go back to the very beginning of this episode, uh, and we'll start with Tom Grumbo Jumbo at MSNBC. That is his name, isn't it? Tom Grumbo yes. Jumbo. We swore we'd never get it wrong again after all Calling him the wrong name. I can't believe it. It still doesn't sit right with me that. Oh, <laughs> still is it right with me because people in the future are going to listen to this show Michael and they're going to be coming on thinking we're supposed to be quote unquote experts mm. and we can't even get his goddamn name right for so many seasons why did um, no one tweet us about this anyway never mind I well because I think they changed it on Netflix that's why <laughs> yeah quite possibly I don't, quite I don't possibly. think this one was on us <laughs> 
we'll, we'll see. I guess one day we'll find out whether maybe it was never. It was all in there. Somehow, Michael, it was Amazon Prime's fault, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Goddamn Jeff Bezos, man. Piece of trash. <laughs> ah, anyway, sorry. Sidetrack there. Back to M- back to MSNBC, shall we? Yes, please. Um, okay, first of all, we've got a few things here. We've got the, the usual Anytime there's a story about Bojack, Michael, the picture that is used of Bojack is, of course, the picture of Bojack sneezing on Marissa Tomei. But not even she's not even in the picture this time. It's no. just his face and Love the sneezing that. coming out. Great stuff that it's just been taken away even further to just be in this awful picture <laughs> of Bojack. As always, when we get the news, we get a news ticker that comes with it. There's a couple of ones here. There's one in particular that has got a bit of a doozy on it. Uh, the first one is... Rapper Chance the Snapper looks dapper, <laughs> which is obviously a quick take on Chance the Rapper. But of mm. course, Chance the Snapper made me think that he was like a dolphin. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> snapper, I don't know. Or, the cra- or a crab, I don't know. A snapping turtle, maybe? Snapping turtle, quite possibly. There you go. Thoughts on a postcard at Podcast Horseman. Uh, we also got Mass Shooter stopped by other Mass Shooter who happened to be mass shooting at the same park. <laughs> which is a cruel fate. Um, I'll say that, like he deserves some kind of sympathy there, but that's obviously yeah. not the case. And finally, <clears throat> and I'm going to read this how it is and then I will break it down like I had okay. to break down for myself. It says AOC and DNC, POC not down with OPP, GOP. God damn it, Michael, that's a lot of initials. Uh, yeah, it's, a lot it's, of like, it's like a lot of the alphabet going on there. But obviously, for, for the uninitiated, I, which is me, I obviously had to do the. <laughs> I got a couple of these, I will be honest, by myself, but I did have to go do the homework. AOC, of course, being for Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, and apologies if I butchered your surname there, Alexandria, because such a great woman deserves her name to be pronounced correctly, and yet I am not capable enough. Um, and then the DM, DNC, of course, the Democratic National Committee. Then we get POC, People of Colour. Uh, OPP, of course, Michael, which is the one I've been looking forward to saying the most out of all this, stands uh-huh. for. Other people's pussy, Michael. Right. <laughs> uh, and it should, of course, be the reference to the, the song OPP by Naughty by Nature from 1991, which yeah. you will be familiar with, Michael. I'm sure you will, because it's one of your favourites, I know. And <laughs> <laughs> GOP, of course, being a reference to Grand Old Party, yeah, the Republican Party. So there you go. <laughs> it's the song, not the OPP, because I watch a lot of Top of the Pops <laughs> 1991. I just want to be fully clear about that. Top of the OPP, is that what you're saying? That's right. That, that, that if you watch it. <laughs> and last but not least on that news ticker, there was also one just at the end that says, Ice abolished, which would be great if it wasn't for the fact that it was by climate change, unfortunately, oh, no. which <laughs> unfortunately is not the ice that we want abolished. Anyway, <laughs> we go across to Paige Sinclair's wedding suite. Uh, and as you kind of touched on here, there are just, it's, they're starting to take the piss now, Michael, basically, uh, in terms of these tongue twisters. So I have noted down here, it would have been counterproductive for all of us for me to try and do them all because there's literally too many. There's like naturally too many. So I thought I'd pick the best one out yeah. of all of them to deliver. So uh, allow me to put my teeth in for this one. She says, God damn it, I haven't practiced this one either. So this is going to go terribly. Here we go. And it's <laughs> been too many weeks <clears throat> to get the excuses in while I can. She says, while talking to her sister, Patience, of course, she says, Patience, you cut the core like a classic Sinclair. I shall miss making mincemeat of the misdeeds of mischievous miscreants, but I must focus on my new mission as I transition from Miss to Mrs. 
because of course Michael she's going to get married despite the fact we've yet to see a partner <laughs> who cares I'm sure she'll find a way um, and also as I've written down here just thank God for Paige Sinclair Michael the sister who's asking the questions the real hard-hitting questions why do you talk like that god damn it <laughs> god damn it anyway we go through the opening credits no changes there once again because of course we are on the home stretch now we go across to Chicago we go to Guy's house and there's a cute little gag just outside before we go into Guy's uh, the next door neighbour is, I assume, a mole or a gopher person who is ready for work. They've got a suit on, they've got the briefcase, and they're on the telephone, and they jump down a hall as they head off to work, which I thought was really funny. Um, and then we go into the house. A couple of quick uh, observations here. One, we get a jar of pickles that's just sitting on the on the table next to Diane. Uh, and they are, of course, Michael, Chicago brand pickles. Because what other brand of pickles are you going to have? It's Chicago. you got to have Chicago <laughs> brand pizza. Okay, Chicago brand pickles. And then I love this breakdown of Diane, which obviously ties in quite nicely to the end of the episode where she does finally watch it. She says, we already know what Bojack's going to say. He'll admit to everything in the story, but nothing else. He'll trot out this sad sack routine. Everyone will feel bad for him. He'll talk a lot about his addictions. Showbiz is awful. My parents were abusive. He'll say he's changed, that he's not that guy anymore. And then before she goes on to finish saying, they'll make you feel bad for him without it being too sad. And of course, that's the part that ties into Princess Carolyn's breakdown of it all. But as I was watching Diane say this and reading the captions, God damn it, is this not what we would say? Is this not what we, the excuses we would make for him each and every time? Especially the showbiz is awful. My parents were abusive, is what Diane says. How many times have we kind of let Bojack off the hook because we remember the little Bojack and the sailor boy outfit getting abused by his parents. God damn it, Michael. They're good. They're good at this show. They know what they're doing. They know how we feel and they know what they're doing. They do know what they're doing. Anyway, it's almost like they should have made this show or something. Oh, (laughs) Uh, We go to Princess Carolyn's office. and (laughs) It's been a while, but I've missed Mr. Peanut Butter's stupid bullshit. And we, we, of course, get a fresh dose of it here. He see walks into the office and says, Whoa, am I my third favourite Bruce Springsteen song? Because I was not born in the USA, nor am I tougher than the rest, but I am blinded by the light. Nice smile, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, he's such an idiot, but I do love him. I've already mentioned, of course, his brilliant little off-camera text message. Excuse me, I'm receiving a text message, and it appears we have broken up forever. <laughs> It's a really good bit, that, because as you said, we've already figured out all of this. He's, yeah. the, he's the last one for the penny to drop for. Bless him. We go across to uh, Braxby Means Business, the show, of course, in Bojack's house, in inverted commas, definitely not his house, the mm-hmm. set of Philbat. And just a few choice quotes here from Bojack that I uh, thought were worth noting. One that I felt was quite relatable <laughs> about rock bottoms, Michael. You know this one. No, mm-hmm. not the ones from the wrestling, the ones from real life where he says, I don't believe in rock bottoms. I've had a lot of what I thought were rock bottoms, only to discover another rockier bottom underneath. <laughs> God damn it, man. We've all been there, I'm sure. And another one that came from this exact interview um, was when he says, I came from a broken home, and I used to feel like my whole life was an acting job, just doing an impression of the people I saw on television, which was just a projection of a bunch of equally screwed up writers and actors I felt like a Xerox of a Xerox of a person. You know what I mean. And you know what it is? Specifically, this um, projection of a bunch of equally screwed up writers and actors. I guess it's just a sign of the times, maybe, but how much have you felt that coming back 
uh, I guess in the last maybe five to ten years where we've seen these shows that were written by hacks and people who were just almost using television as their own little means of therapy. Here's one perfectly for you, Michael. I've just, as you know, finished a a rewatch, I'll call it a rewatch, I guess, of the worst sitcom ever uh, in, in joy, of course, the <laughs> yeah. from Friends that I watched out of pure need and want to just really understand how bad of a moment in television mm. this was, haven't just finished a Friends re- rewatch. Can confirm, yep, it ticks that box. But the disastrous writing on it, the, the way that people just put this rubbish, these terrible opinions, the mm. exact opposite of how people should treat assistants. Like this show literally got a bunch of assistants to unionize and get better yes. pay for Bojack Horseman and the animators, I think it was, who got better pay and got a union and like fought the good fight against Netflix and won. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching Joey where the whole bit is, let's laugh at assistants and make them do terrible shit. Because their underlings, literally, man, Hollywood has done some terrible things to some terrible shows that has then bred years and years of stupid bullshit. That this show, Bojack Horseman, the best goddamn show, <laughs> to correct, and yet not enough people will see it, which always makes me sad. Sorry, that's my rant over on that one. But bloody hell, man, don't go back watch Joy, everyone. You've got better. <laughs> You've got better things to do, clearly, with your time than I have. I, Jesus I love that there might even be one listener that, like, someone out there might have that on their list. And they start, yeah. no. Yeah. And just Maybe. scrub hey, it out. Listen, listen, I will say this. It is a car crash, but one that I literally could not take my eyes off. And <laughs> Michael will tell you, and one of our other friends, Josh Brown from whatculture.com, were getting many clips of me saying, how did this TV oh. show do this thing and get away with it? They have lots to answer for, and I promise you, it is it is probably one of a massively long list of really sh- television. Um, to listen for it. They'll have to wait for a Joe Cash show. That'll well, that's co- the thing. Surprise, everyone! You've been wondering what our next project is. Well, <laughs> guess what? We're going for the two-season deep dive on Joey, <laughs> where nothing matters from Friends, and we'll recast lots of people you already knew from a previous famous TV show. <laughs> This joke is already connecting wires in my head. Let's talk after the podcast. <laughs> anyway, real quick, sorry for the tangent, everyone. Uh, we go back and just uh, to that Braxby's uh, Braxby means business interview. The last little bit I wanted to mention was just how harrowing that Sarah Lynn commercial references. The Sarah Lynn commercial references were from Biscuits when she's talking to Bojack and says, like, every time you see a Geico commercial song, all twerk and no play, or you see a billboard slogan that says. I'd die for Pepsi. Yeah. Oh, man. Just why is it all so gross, man? Why is it all so gross? Maybe not gross. We go across to the less gross, Parmadillos in Chicago, Michael. Uh, and just a cute mention here from Diane, because as you'll recall throughout the show, Diane's very best friend, Michael, who you may know is called Roxy, who yes. we see so often, but it takes us so long to actually get her name because Diane is so wrapped up in everything else except Roxy. Literally, it's a running gag in this show. And as her and Guy are talking about best friends, he talks about Bojack. And then she kind of says, oh, well, you know, my best best friend is Roxy. And then he's like, well, you never talk about her either. And he just says, I don't understand what her job is. And it's just too late for me to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was just a really nice little nod to all those seasons of build of Diane actually being a bad, pretty bad friend to anybody who wasn't Bojack Horseman. Um, We go to Bojack's house from there. And I just love that little text he gets from Princess Carolyn. It's this little cat emoticon with a gigantic hammer 
that is hammering the words nailed it on his phone, which just undermines all of it really, really <laughs> badly. But there you go. Um, we then get a bunch of headlines that start coming on uh, news websites. And the first one reads, Poignant Pony professes penitence provokes pity. And there's also a bunch of tabs on the back or on the top of that website that read news, muse, <laughs> speculation, and fluff. <laughs> you can define the differences between them. I'm certainly not going to. Uh, we are in Bojack's car next, and he gets a phone call of Dean Squishy Face Michael from Wesleyan <laughs> University. And we see that the Dean's uh, avatar on the phone is that what we've been calling it for all these seasons? Who knows? Uh, is the Wesleyan W, you know, usually we see Princess Carolyn's is like a ball of yarn or whatever. It's a W of the Wesleyan. We then go back to the next news website headline that reads, Bravo Bojack, Somba star says sorry, speaks sincerely. And a little bit of uh, text below reads, last night Bojack Horseman gave viewers an intimate look inside his for real own home that he owns on Biscuits Braxby's <laughs> talk show, which I thought was quite cute. And the writer is Karen McGillaguppy, who is a fish woman, Michael. There you go, as opposed to, I guess, the usual name, Karen McGillacuddy. McGillacuddy, yeah. Uh, we go to the to a coffee shop next, the one you mentioned, where Bojack gets a free coffee, and we get a quick little gag. Uh, some, As always, the coffee shop boards in the background. We get the menu board, which reads um, one that says sloffy instead of slagger slothy instead of coffee. Um, we get one that says camel apple spice <laughs> instead of a caramel <laughs> spice latte, I guess. Um, we get one that's, that reads capuchin-no, which is capuchin obviously being a capuchin monkey. I think that's a pronunciation of it. <laughs> for cappuccino. For cappuccino, capuchin dash no. <laughs> oh, God, that's good. It's All also right. followed on the theme monkey as the next one is macaque yato, as in <laughs> as in monkeys, the macaques. <laughs> and then <laughs> we also just get at the bottom, Americano. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> After all that bullshit. We go to the espresso board that's next to that, which reads double shot, triple shot, foursies, <laughs> or my personal favourite, the heart attack yardo. <laughs> <laughs> and the pastries board at the end there reads bear claw, a rasbunny qua- croissant. Ooh, because it's like raspberries, but it's a bunny. Mm-hmm. And there's one below it that you just can't make out because of the barista's head. It's kind of covered, but there's something there. If you have X-ray vision somehow, let me know. At Podcast Horseman. Uh, we go across to the next website that is the Hollywood Reporter website this time, we see, and it reads, Heartbreaking Horseman, head-to-head, hits hard. And then there's also a tab above it. You can see like a, someone's got their web browser open, and the, uh, there's one for the Hollywood Reporter, and then the one next to it reads, Wormopedia, Michael, instead nice. of Wikipedia. Because, of course, worms, you see, you get it? Uh, like a bookworm, but also like a worm, but also like Wikipedia, <laughs> like encyclopedia. It's just never-ending. <laughs> we go back, oh, should I say we go across to Princess Carolyn's office, and I love this line from Bojack. Uh, Move over, sad dog. Make room for a horse. horse. God damn it. That is literally, that is going as the quote, I'm a spoiler for you now, it will be the quote for this episode. Yeah. When you probably started listening to this podcast, I felt that when he said yeah. it. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the quote for this week's episode. Uh, we go back to Biscuits at Braxby's office this time, uh, and we kind of see she's got a few magazine pieces there. She's got a copy of the LA Weeklies, which reads, "Bojack is so sorry." Dot dot dot, and everyone loves it. 
And I kind of thought this was all like a little bit of a built-in couple of nods here. One of them is surely the Rachel slash Joey bit from Friends, right? Mm. I'm so sorry where he's like, I'm yeah. about doing that. But also, the and everyone loves it. Is that like, and everybody loves Raymond, and everyone loves Bojack? Oh, yeah. The double hours are just, and everyone loves it. It might be, who knows? That's maybe just me thinking they're trying to squash as many sitcoms into a magazine oh, cover. That, yeah possible but we also got another magazine she lifts up it's a copy of the hollywood reporter and uh the the uh, headline reads buffalo ratings for biscuits buffalo ratings for biscuits and bojack and there's a picture of bojack in the background looking rather uneasy about the whole thing we then go from biscuits office of course back to the set of braxby means business uh, and just some really heavy hitting breakdowns here and this bit where Biscuits kind of breaks it down piece for piece, she says, you had sex with the president of your fan club. You had sex with your agent's assistant. You party with underage girls. And then she goes on to say, you do have power over people. And again and again, you abuse that power. Mm. Because unfortunately, my lads and lasses, Bojack is a piece of trash. Yeah. Uh, but then, of course, Bojack fires back. And this one, I enjoyed this one as well, Michael. This is when he's getting all worked up and he's talking about that narrative and we're talking about when yeah. she starts using terms he's not comfortable with. You think everything is this nefarious scheme. Most of the bad shit that happens in this world isn't because of wicked plots and machinations. It's just because we're all a bunch of stupid, hungry, horny little goons just grabbing at shit, hoping it'll press that little button in our brain that says, okay, you're happy now. That's not an abuse of power. But... In hell, man. Jesus <laughs> Christ. This hit me in ways that, that aren't related to anything he's talking about, but that fucking very specific bunch of stupid, hungry, horny little goons <laughs> grabbing it and hoping it'll press that little button in your brain that says, okay, you're happy now. My God. Yeah. I love the writers on this show so very much because they will hit you with some hammers you weren't expecting. Another incredible lament in just a just a history of them from this show on mental health oh, and, honestly. and the human condition in the modern age as well. Yep, just the human condition in general. Unbelievable. I've already mentioned, of course, the brilliant little sidebar of the fact that the clever detail of Dr. Champ being a therapy horse and not a horse therapist, which mm -hmm. just unlocks so much in this season and the previous when you look back at it through that uh, lens. We go to Parmadillo's in Chicago once again. And uh, there's a cute little bit outside. There's a lizard woman who's walking past, who's on her phone, and she's using her tongue to tap the touch screen <laughs> while she's walking on the street. It's just an easy gag, but it is a good one. Uh, but we go inside, and there's also, if you've got hawk eyes on you, Michael, you see, like a hawk, eh? Right. Um, hey, you'll also see, as she's talking in the restaurant, to uh, Diane's talking, over the over the back shoulder of, I can't, I can't remember if it's Guy or if it's, uh, Sonny, one of the two, on the TV in the background, you will see, Michael, there is an advert on the TV playing in the background. It is specifically an advert for Chicken for Days, or should I say it is an immersive product placement journey <laughs> for Chicken Indeed. for Days. Of course, the advert that Kelsey is working on is playing in the background on the TV yeah. in Parmadillo's. We had vibes going on there. Chicken for Days is everywhere, Michael. It really yeah. is. Four days, as apparently, uh, as named by nature. Um, we go to the LA streets I've written down here um, and kind of get this establishing shot, which I think they've included for a very specific reason. Allow me to elaborate. There's a shot of a place in the show. That's, the show, it's called Canaries. Uh, but this is a twist on a real-life place on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles called Carnies. 
which mm-hmm. is a hot dog and burger restaurant that you can find in a yellow Union Pacific rail car, which, as I've mentioned, is obviously set on Sunset Boulevard. And you can see it in the show. And obviously there's a sign that goes with it. And the sign says, Choo choo your food, Michael, because it's like the train. You see what they did? Like what they've done there. Very clever. There's a billboard also in the background you can see, which reads Warby Barger, which is a dog uh, woman with uh, glasses on. And you can see, but if you do your homework, you will know that Warby Barger is a take on Warby Parker, which is a prescription glasses retailer in America. Oh, um, wow. Which is just good, good, really, isn't it? But also, the location for this very place, uh, Carney's or Kearney's, I don't know. I think it's Carney's. There's no I in there, so I'm going to go with Carney's. Uh, fun fact for you, there's the billboard I've just mentioned, it's off in the background, but then you, if you look in the foreground, there's like the you'll see the leg of what would you would imagine to be a close-up billboard, but you just can't see the because it's facing the opposite way to what we're looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, in real life, that exact billboard actually had an advert on it for... Bojack Horseman season six. Oh uh, wow! If you do a bit of googling, do your homework, you will see. I might even be on an Instagram page, possibly on Bojack Hidden Jokes. Great Instagram page. If you're not familiar with it, go and check on there. But there's literally a picture of this Carney's restaurant, and in the background, this massive season six oh. Bojack Horseman Netflix billboard. So there you go. It's all about the layers, Michael. Yeah. It's all about the layers. Uh, we go to the Laugh Shack where Bojack heads to try and clear his head a little bit. Um, just a few things. Yeah, the place next door is brilliantly called Sexy Coffee, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> which I assume is dancers, female dancers, and coffee. There you go. Because um, what else do you need, I guess, in this world? <laughs> um, according to this show, I should point out. <laughs> we um, and I've also mentioned here that I'm pretty sure we might have covered this already. But one, it's been quite a while since we did this season. But two. It's probably been a while since we did the Laugh Shack. But the names that you'll see on the outside of the Laugh Shack are all very specific. Uh, they are names of people who helped create the show, who were part of the show. There are so many of them. Like, it'd be, it wouldn't be a smart exercise of my time or yours for me to list them all off. But the ones, the notable ones I will mention, uh, there's like Raphael Bob Waxberg. You can see Mike Hollinsworth. You can see uh, the likes of Adam Paxton and Aaron Long. But also one of the... Most notable tidbits I thought I'd pull out for you, yeah, is that you won't see, Michael, you won't see Lisa Hanawalt's name, okay. interest, which you would normally expect to see because Lisa Hanawalt is a huge part in this mm-hmm. show. That is because Lisa Hanawalt, I assume, who has actually done the names on this particular uh, set piece, has opted, Michael, to include the name of one Juniper Hanawalt instead. For anybody who knows Lisa Hanawalt, you will know that this is the name of Lisa Hanawalt's horse, Michael. <laughs> and as far as I'm aware, I checked the, the Laugh Shack and I couldn't find it anywhere else. There was another name for, like, I think it said Annie Hanawalt, but there was no Lisa Hanawalt. So, for all intents and purposes, Michael, Lisa Hanawalt has sacrificed putting her own name on the Laugh Shack. In place of it, she's put her horse Juniper because that's how much she loves her goddamn horse. Brilliant stuff. Love a that. great horse joke on a horse a show. Horse That's good. Like that. Sure, very, very good indeed. I do wonder if Annie Hanawalt is another horse of hers, but maybe not. Thoughts on a postcard, if you know, at Podcast Horseman. Or Lisa, if you're listening, of course, I know you are. Definitely. <laughs> Clearly, what else would you be doing? Surely. Oh, wait, that's right. Tuga and Bertie, another great show you'll be doing right about now. Do go and watch that show if you don't already. Again, a few more bits here. We go when Bojack is looking at the outline of himself on the wall. 
you'll see a dump stand next to it and it's a little sticker at the bottom that says run the mules michael which is a, of course a little wink and nod to run the jewels uh, who are very very great uh, music artists who you should definitely listen to if you don't already but run the mules is a little clever thing because it's, it's like mules michael you see, you see what doing also there's something about michael bojack staring at an image of himself on a wall that is a white outline that you can't tell me that didn't evoke like a Bojack is looking at the crime scene of his yeah. himself. Yes. There's a white outline of him being. Is he dead on the wall? Like, outline, yeah. Yeah, there's a real, there's a real, like, there's a, it's a couple of frames long, but if you pause it at the right time, it's really harrowing. It's mm-hmm. essentially like him looking at himself in that fake or the four Hockney painting that he's got of himself yes. in the pool. Uh, very good stuff indeed. Um, but inside of the Laugh Shack, this is where things start to get interesting and a little bit longer. Um, Inside the Laugh Shack, we get, uh, again, on the bloody TV. What is it, Michael? It's another Chicken for Days advert, but it's oh, the OG. It's the OG advert, though, where they've got the bucket full of mystery stuff and all that kind of thing. <laughs> um, it's great stuff. But then, of course, the creme de la creme of the inside of the Laugh Shack, which I have had a breakdown because it is that good, is the wall of fame, which you will have seen, yes. of all the comedians inside the Laugh Shack. Now, let me just break these down for you. Uh, I've tried to break them down into rows, and I will go row by row, left to right. So on row number one, we have the following. And I'm just going to list them all off. Uh, unless, I, uh, unless I note anywhere else, these are all famous comedians who you will know, or maybe you don't know, but these are all comedians in their own right. We get Red Fox. So we're going, like I say, left to right we're on row number one here. We get Red Fox, then we get Brody Stevens. We get George Marlin, who is actually, of course, George Carlin, but Marlin, like the fish. Um we get Whoopi Goldfish, <laughs> and I just couldn't put my finger on who that might be, Michael. It's yeah, just, it's oh yeah, but of course Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, but Whoopi Goldfish, which I thought was cute. We get Gary Shandling, we get Sarah Silverfish, who <laughs> is of course Sarah Silverman. Sense of the pattern here. We mm. also get Norm Macdonald. We get then we get Oldie English, which is actually. Uh, Raphael Bob Waxberg's old sketch comedy troupe that he was in, oh, uh, nice. who are referenced on the board. Then we get Ali Wong, who is the last person on that top row. Then we go down to row number two, again, left to right. We get Ellen DeGeneres. We get Kristen Schaal, who in this bit is is actually a horse, which is just because nice. she just wanted to be a horse. Okay. And I thought that was pretty cute because why not, if I start asking yeah. also, of course more relevant because she is of course Sarah Lynn the voice mm-hmm. of Sarah Lynn and she's on the wall we then get Billy Goat Crystal <laughs> <laughs> which I guess is like Billy Crystal but then I guess like Billy Crystal Billy yeah. Like yeah yeah okay I like it and uh, we get there's another one which is just supposed to be a uh, safe and turf comedy group and it's two people one is a fish person like a sea creature person and one is a bull slash cow person I think so it's like safe and turf, safe and turf, the comedy joke. Um, we also get Robin Williams. Then we get Steve Martin, but Martin spelt the fish way rather than his actual name, Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fish way, I assume. Um, then we also get Tiffany Haddish next, of course. Again, a little callback to Tucker and Bertie there. Big feature she is in that. Uh, and then we get Dave, Sh- <laughs> Dave Chappellican. Instead of <laughs> that's good Pelican instead of Dave Chappelle then we also get uh, Gallagher instead of Gallagher or Leo Anthony Gallagher to give him his full name as you'll yeah. know and then 
on row number three, left to right once again, we get Shark Marin instead of Mark Marin. We get Rodney Dangerfield. We get Paul F. Tomcat, Michael, who of course <laughs> you and I know, and everyone on this podcast knows, is Paul F. Tompkins, a.k.a. the voice of one Mr. Peanut Butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get Dalmatian Wayne's. <laughs> Dalmatian, Michael, instead of Damon Wayne's. We then get, uh, this one's a little bit different, but this is, so this one's they're called Hot to Trot. You get a little zoom in of this one, actually. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like a little trio of comedians that Bojack is obviously a part of in this world. Uh, one of them is Bojack Horseman, and the other two are Mitch Horsberg, who is, of course, mm-hmm. Mitch Hedberg in real life. And then there's one that's also E. Main Boozler, yeah. as in like horses main. Uh, all three of them done out like horses. That's what the hot trot is. And it, this is, of course, Elaine Boozler, the comedian. So lots of stuff going on there. And on top of that, though, the name itself comes from Hot to Trot, which was a film in 1988, a comedy film, which follows Michael, an investment broker who teams with a talking horse who helps him make smart investment tips. What? Oh, brilliant. (laughs) Wonderful stuff all around. God bless this show and their love of horses. We also get, um, after that, still going across to the right-hand side, we get Maria Bamboo, who is a nod to Maria Bamford, who Mm. is, Michael, the voice of one Kelsey Jannins. Yeah. Uh, so we also get Meryl McCraw, or Meryl Marcro, as in like, sorry, Meryl Marcro, I think they've done it as. I was going to say Macaw, but it's not. <laughs> Meryl Marcro, as in a crow, as opposed to Meryl Marco. Uh, we also get David Letter Beaver, Michael, <laughs> <laughs> which feels like they've just tried to do the stupidest one possible. You cheeky bastard. Cheeky swines, as opposed to David Letterman. And then, of course, very at the very end, we get Mike Hollinsworth, who, of course, is another huge feature mm-hmm. on the show. One of the big three, you might even call them him, RBW and Lisa Hannawell, the driving, the big driving forces behind this show. There's also, you get a little glance at a, an extra part of the wall to the left-hand side of the person the Bojack's talking to. It's hard to make out because they're quite small, uh, but I've done my best and I've, I've managed to get, Michael, all but one of them on the on this wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is Patton Oswalrus, <laughs> who you and I will know as Patton Oswald, or if you're in this show, you'll know him as Pinky Penguin, mm. uh, and a bunch of others, but mostly Pinky Penguin. There's also a, a headshot of Richard Pryor. There's a headshot of Jay Leno, a very young-looking Jay Leno. Uh, there's one of Polly Shaw, which is a parrot, which yeah. was Polly Shaw, but it's yeah, you get the joke. Oh, yeah. And then there's, there's one which is a poster, which piqued my interest, which I can only assume... You kind of get to see it says K does LA, but when you see the people who are involved in it, I assume it is UK does LA. And there's a bunch of people on there. The first one in the top left corner, I couldn't get. I've tried my hardest, could not get it. But the other three, one of them is Steve Cougar instead of Steve Coogan. Yeah. One of them is John Geese instead of John Cleese. <laughs> and one of them is Ronnie Corgi instead of Ronnie Corbett. Nice. See how it all works here. Uh, there's also another person on that. The last one on that board is uh, Throwing Toasters, Michael, who were a comedy rock band back in the day. Uh, I think it was in the early 2000s, I want to say. Um, throwing Toasters, there you are. They're on the board. <laughs> so there you go. Great name, Throwing Toasters, because we've all wanted to do that with that at some point in our lives. Don't pretend like you haven't. We've all wanted to do it. Um, there's also, for anybody who might be able to clock this, I feel like in my brain, once upon a time when I was just not doing this podcast and doing some nerdy, Bojack deep dive somewhere. Hmm. 
in the background of all of this, you'll see through the door, there's a man doing stand-up in the background. Uh, he's, yeah. he's in like a fancy shirt uh, and he's doing stand-up. And I swear that that is someone, but I have written down, is that anyone? And before we started this, I could not figure out who it was. So, thoughts on the postcard at Podcast Horseman. You're looking for the man. He's got grey hair. He's wearing glasses. He's on the stage, under the spotlight, through the doorway, as you can see Bojack talking to this guy. And if anybody knows who it is, please do let us know. I would love to know. Anyway, we go across to Maud's house next, Michael. Uh, I love everything about Maud and Todd, by the way. Yes. I'm just such a huge feels fan of these. Feels good. It feels great. It really does. We get a shot of Maud's family, and it's just, I guess the, maybe the gag I assume is there's lots of rabbits, Michael, because they just <laughs> make a lot. And there's like there's literally tons of photo frames, presumably of all of Maud's family. <laughs> uh, lots of different ones there. Um, and then we also get a painting as we zoom out into the full room of just a bunch of carrots and turnips. It's like a really nice <laughs> painting of carrots and turnips. Uh, I always like that when someone literally had to do that painting and yeah. put it in the show. Um, and then there's this brilliant bit of commentary, Michael, from Maud. She's talking to Todd about TV shows. I don't know if you picked up on this. I assume you did. Uh, she talks about this show. It's really smart. It's about New Orleans and jazz and Hurricane Katrina and drugs and John Goodman. Which is, of course, referring to the show Trem, which was yeah. uh, the 2010 drama that come as the extra little bit of goodness, I guess. I've never watched it, I will say, so I can't... I've not seen it, no. I can't confirm it tonight, but of course it comes from the mind of the creator of The Wire, one David uh, Simon. So you'd kind of want to give it a go just for that, I guess. Yeah. Uh, or as Maud says, it's just not that very good. <laughs> she puts it after all of that glowing <laughs> report, she kind of says, no, not really. Um I will one day watch that show, but I haven't watched it yet, much to my dismay. Um, and I've just written down there, as I've already kind of reiterated, as a little sidebar, I just love how much Maud and Todd are just the same type of weird. I really love that, man. Two weird little people who've just found it in the best possible way. That's not an yes. insult. That is, I love weird people, and I love how much of a perfect match these two are for each other, specifically with the ideas gag is just so bloody perfect. Anyway, yeah. uh, we go across... The last place on our journey for hosting around, we go to Princess Karen's apartment. As you mentioned, Judah is there looking after Ruthie while also doing some work on a laptop. The laptop is being held up by a bunch of books. My word, I'm sure that looks familiar to people who've been in lockdown working from home and just making stands for mm. of video calls or whatever. But of course, Michael, if there's ever a book in this show, it usually means something. And the pile of books are as follows. One of them reads, Tiger Mommy Tips and Tricks. One of them reads Baby Facts. Then we get Precious Little Sheep. Uh, we get Kittens First, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was just really great. Uh, a Prickly Situation. <laughs> and Mother Goose is the very bottom book that we get on that pile. All very relevant, all very topical, you might mm. even say. But those are all of our bits for horsing around this week. Some good ones there to come back to after a bit of a hiatus from doing horsing around and doing podcast horsemen. But... I've actually, I've heard a rumour. Whisper it, Michael. Whisper it. But we might actually have some time still for one last thing, and then I swear to God we'll shut up about this podcast forever. Would you like to go first, or would you like to go second? Um, I'll go first, if that's all right. Yeah, why not? You always bloody do. <laughs> it's something that my attention was drawn, actually, in some of your analysis during the episode to this. Um, it was in the fact that obviously we see Bojack, there's a part one and a part two, I guess, there's interviews with Biscuits. And it 
was something that you mentioned about him going in and this performance going well, that in reality, he has still not learned that this was his destiny to go back and do part two and ruin it. This threw me back, like a lightning bolt went through my veins, to probably the very first time either of you shared a bit of patter on Bojack Horseman at all. And you were in front of me, and it was me coming to you and saying, what are you doing here? Because this incredible opportunity had fallen into his lap. And ultimately, no matter how well he'd acted, no matter how well he'd learned his lines, which is what the case, obviously, in interview one with Biscuits, he yeah. would come back and he would ruin it because it's kind of all he knows. And it's been a while. You, what you'd said earlier in the pod was that it had been a while since he'd been under the bright lights and he was kind of sent... You could treat this like every other acting job he's had. Day one, <laughs> but it only takes day two for him to screw everything up, ruin yeah. the set, ruin the experience for just about everybody else involved. Um, this was something we could all see happening because we've literally seen it happen. He should have done too. He really should have done, shouldn't he? But it seems that as for much he's learned, Michael, he still has a little way to go. Mm. It's them bloody bright lights of Hollywood, man, at the top. <laughs> They'll drag him down if he stays there, the little idiot. Well, mine wasn't going to be this. But funnily enough, much like you've just described, mine came from when you were doing your little bit and talking about um, when we went to the Laugh Shack. And a little thing I just clocked onto here, which maybe, maybe something, maybe not, but this is, it was notable, I think. Mm. Um, it was notable because... And it might just be the fact because it's not alcohol for starters, which I accept if that is the case, maybe that may be what they're trying to point out here. But Bojack is holding that bottle of water, as you mentioned, and he's sort of moving it back and forward, and we've seen it a million times. But what have we seen prior to this for the whole of probably the first half of this season and maybe a little bit in this one, I can't remember specifically, um, it's always, the water has always had, or the, whatever, the liquid has always had the planetarium colour scheme on it, hasn't it? The, yes. Um, the stars it's that he and yeah. Sarah yeah. Lynn watch together. Now, let's just assume for a second that that's just applied to liquids in general. Now, yes, it was alcohol. He had vodka in that bottle, if you recall correctly, and he kept it as a reminder. Unfortunately, it was the thing that would end up ruining a champ's life, pretty much. Yeah. But it's felt kind of like that was a message, yeah. He had the water, and he wasn't seeing the planetarium colour scheme anymore. And I just wondered if maybe that was because, for better or for worse... He has been forced to face up to the one thing he's been mm. avoiding this whole time, the Sarah Lynn thing. Uh, and I'm not saying his conscience is clear by any means, but he has, it's off his chest now. It's all off his chest. And yes, that's, that's probably still layers to peel back after this. And as we saw, as we've seen through interviews one and two, he's still not doing a great <laughs> job of it. But I felt like maybe the visual was something like that side of things has been cleared up at least, or like yeah. from his mind, he's, he's it's absent. Maybe not, like I say, it might be the fact that it is just water and it's not alcohol, but that's certainly struck me, and, and I've never noticed that before. Uh, no. Something picked up at that point. Hey, look there, Nicholas. It's the police, because I think you've spotted a message in a bottle there. Oh, look at you. Oh, I couldn't end this podcast without <laughs> a little sting in the tail, could I? Absolutely. And you know what it is? I'm glad you're where you are because I wouldn't want you to stand so close to me with that kind of goddamn patter. Jesus. Jesus. Anyway, shall we go and do some other stuff before we start getting down a rabbit hole of you and me trying to dig out our favourite police songs? We can't do that. Songs. We can't do that again. It's, <laughs> it's, we're beating a dead horse, Michael. 
Anyway, look, I'm liking the synchronicity, but let's. Oh, I knew, I knew, it. I could see. You can't see it at home. I can see him. I can see him doing it. I can see oh. the little cogs in his brain going around. I see the red light going off his head as he's trying to figure it all out. Piece of crap. Anyway, let me just quickly go across. We've done all the other bits. We're gonna, we're gonna no doubt try and one up each other for the rest of this podcast. But I am gonna try and plug it and do the responsible thing that we usually do at this point. We've done all our chat. All we can ask you to do now is if you enjoyed this podcast or if you hated it, or maybe if you were just a bit meh about it, who knows, you can just just give us a follow on, on the socials and you can tell us how great or how bad or how meh we are at Podcast Horseman on Twitter or Instagram. And you can also follow either of your hosts if you just haven't had enough of our bullshit. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at It's Adam Nicholas. And you can also find Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You can get us on Apple Podcasts where we would love you to follow and subscribe on Spotify where you can follow on various other podcast apps where you can get us on Amazon Music where you can subscribe through Audible, I believe, while you're not listening to your favourite audiobooks. We really are everywhere you can get podcasts, you can get Podcast Horsemen. And we would love you to leave us a five-star review. If every little thing we do is magic to you guys, please slap those five stars on us. You leave us a comment. It can be something nasty. It can be something nice. But with every breath you take, let those words oh, out. Oh, and give us something to read out, which is exactly what Cameron Beadle did when Cameron left us a review. Thank you, Cameron. This is your induction into the Hollywood Talk of Fame. And you've said, is this the part where I leave a five-star review? It is. <laughs> you've smashed it with the five stars. Totally new to Bojack Horseman. Started listening to the first episode of this podcast as it was hosted by two guys that I love listening to on What Culture Wrestling and wanted to see what the hype was about. The fantastic analysis from these guys from the get-go compelled me to start watching and now I'm hooked. Only been watching for a couple of days but love to get home from work and watch some episodes before listening to this incredible podcast to get some fantastic analysis compare it to what I took away from each episode. You guys are fantastic. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Cameron. That is fantastic feedback. Love, as again, we've said this a million times, Bojack Horseman remains the hardest show to recommend. You will tell 10 friends to watch this show, and one of them, if you are lucky, actually will. So very much that was the motivation rooted at the start of the podcast. We just thought we would try and vomit our noise into the audio sphere and give a little bit more love to this in the hope that someone like yourself, Cameron, would pick this up somehow and you would find us and you would find this. And thank you very much. A star is absolutely winging its way to you. Another one next week. Yes, indeed. And as you may have noticed, we're kind of because we realize we're on the home stretch, we are building up those stars now. We're just building them up. I feel like it's going to be a grand reveal of all the ones we need to catch up on. We might as well do them as a big treat, probably once this the curtain has come down on this podcast. But Michael, to quote a great man, a do 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 a da da da. <laughs> uh, and with that, I will then go and quote the Netflix synopsis for the <laughs> for. Next week's episode of Podcast Horseman and indeed Bojack Horseman. Oh. And this one is season six, episode 13. It's called The Horny Unicorn. Bojack gets a new AA sponsor. Todd plans a sophisticated party to impress his parents. And Diane gets to know Sonny. Michael. All sounds very interesting, doesn't it? It all sounds very exciting. But unfortunately, if you want to find out what happens, on next week's episode, then guess what? You'll have to come back next week to find out all the wonderful happenings on Bojack Horseman and indeed Podcast Horseman. And you know what it is? The more I talk, the more I can see it in your eyes. Come on, let me have it. Whatever you've got, just let me have it. I haven't got I'm not following out of context.
Oh, oh, unbelievable. Well, I suppose we might as well end this one with a topical one and say from these two canaries in a coal mine, it is, in fact, time to call it a day. So, <laughs> as always, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflet. And this has been a do-do-do, a da-da-da. <laughs> and also, Podcast Horseman. 